Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Average to Elite Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Slow, and today I have none other than England Under-18s head coach, Jonathan Pendlebury. So this episode is for any rugby player out there who is looking to go from amateur to sub-elite or sub-elite all the way through to elite into that international stage. So JP and I discussed everything with regards to you know, the technical, tactical, the physical, the mental, the personal, the lifestyle uh, factors that can generate and develop you uh, into this world-class rugby player. So if you are an aspiring rugby player looking to maximize your performance, JP is a guy you need to be listening to. And we have a really good discussion around developing this elite athlete, this elite world-class rugby player. So without further ado, guys, let's get into today's episode. Right, Mr. JP, Mr. Jonathan Penelope, how are we doing today? I'm good, thanks Lord. it's good to see you mate, it's been a little while. It certainly has, it certainly has. So first of all, big thanks for joining me on the podcast and I'd absolutely love to get into the topic of developing the elite rugby player and I feel like you're in a very good position to talk about this. So for the uh, listeners who perhaps don't know who you are, can you just give a real brief uh, introduction to yourself, please? Yeah, okay. Hiya, everyone. Um, I'm Jonathan Pendlebury, currently employed by the RFU to lead uh, and head up the England Under-18 uh, men's programme, where we, uh, we oversee uh, the development and support the academies on their next best emerging 16, 17, 18-year-olds. And obviously, in a privileged position of rewarding and recognising that through international fixtures and uh, junior age group caps. Uh, just previous to that, I was uh, academy manager with uh, WAS Academy uh, for three years from 2017 to 2020, which is obviously where we met, Chris. 100%. 100%. Um, and before that, you were a player yourself? Yeah. Played uh, played across the uh, Premiership for uh, uh, several years and, and mainly across the, the Championship. And then, uh, unfortunately, I had to retire. Unfortunately for me, I had to retire in 2012 through concussion. But I'd always had an interest in in coaching and uh, seeing how that could go. So, yeah, I'd, I'd coached volunteering and I'd coached part-time and then was in a position that I'd... Uh, uh, got the experience, got the qualifications and started building up my qualifications and award from sort of around about 2009 onwards while I was still playing and then yeah, was able to accept a, a full-time position in uh, the Yorkshire Academy and then uh, got more experience, got, got rewarded with promotions there and, and worked up towards Academy Manager at Yorkshire before moving on to, uh, to Wasps. Brilliant. And I was settled in nicely at England. So fantastic. I'm right in saying that you're doing your education alongside this. How's that been going? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. There's been a, a number of changes. Yeah. So uh, completed my undergrad in sport coaching in 2015 and, uh, and then progressed on uh, September, 2019 started off on my, uh, uh, my master's in sport coaching with, with Leeds Beckett University. So, yeah, trying to do that alongside Dovetail. Yeah, they've, there's a number of changes that I think a lot of students will recognise, whether it's a little bit of face-to-face contact, a lot less than previously, and a bit of blended learning with online 
webinars, uh, recordings, and, uh, and and just tasks ahead or any assessments that you've got. But yeah, it, it works pretty works pretty well at the minute. And um, a few assessments in the new year, and then long term assessments coming up. So nice, nice. around what I hope is some uh, I hope is some in, in age group international fixtures through uh, through the springtime. Yeah, 100%. Fantastic. So the uh, the learning very much never stops. So there's always something more you can do to learn and develop and to improve. I think so, yeah. And, and especially in what is um, sport coaching is what is, a, I think, probably a relatively young career profession. If you think, I mean, rugby union, crikey, is only, um, has only been professional since 2000, since, sorry, since uh, 1995. So a relatively young sport itself and uh, a relatively young profession in actually getting reg- recognised as full-time professional practising coaches. And when I say coaches, I also mean technical, tactical coaches, S&C coaches, mental skills coaches, nutritionists like yourselves and, and other specialist backroom staff that, that, that needs not just at senior professional elite level, but also in, in the, the developing pathway for, for athletes and young players coming through a number of different sports. Yeah, certainly a very fluid field and everything's progressing extremely quickly. Yeah. As more research comes out, I know from um, the nutrition side of things, research is coming out thick and fast now with nutrition, rugby, and essentially just how to develop uh, the rugby player from a nutrition perspective. So what I want to get into today, like I said, is developing it. Developing a player from like perhaps a uh, multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. So what I like to do is just kind of like set the scene and if we're looking and we're going to be talking about how to develop these up and coming um, rugby players into the elite, in your opinion, what does an elite player look like in your eyes? How do you define one? Yeah, I think for me, it, um, an elite rugby union player would be uh, anybody playing premiership rugby and beyond. And, and when I say beyond, that is full international level and, and probably right up until uh, until representing the Lions, which in, in, if you're a UK-based player is certainly the pinnacle of, of your career. But yeah, certainly uh, Premiership and beyond is what I'd consider elite awesome. at the senior end. Yeah. So say, um, what, what kind of key qualities would they have? So say someone who you don't have a clue who they are and they walked into the room and you, know, you can just tell like they are an elite athlete or an elite player. Is there any sort of key qualities or attributes they potentially have? Um, yeah, and some are more obvious than others. Um, they're going to have a number of and, and a range of characteristics, abilities, and certainly te- technically, tactically on on the sports pitch, on the court, or or, or in the pool, they're going to they're going to stand out on on the rugby pitch. Yeah, you're certainly going to have to have an ability of being able to pass and catch and coordinate running running with the ball but then a range of, of passing and catching and outside of your body above your body at, at speed under pressure getting tackled ta- tackling another player but yeah um, alongside technical tactical characteristics and abilities there's, there's values and and I think we're getting on to that a, a little bit later on as well but yeah first first and foremost they're going to have to be able to play the sport so they're going to have to be able to play rugby union. So, and again, certain positions um, require more or less abilities than others. Uh, 
everybody wants to play a fast game. Everybody wants to play a, a fast and exciting game. And, uh, and and you try and with the players that you've got and rugby union players, as you know, Chris, they're all shapes and sizes, and they're all uh, speeds and different paces, or, or or what they can and can and can't do, and what, and what they offer. So ultimately, look, they have to be able to play the sport now. To to what they offer technically, tactically, to what they offer physically or, or whether it's a mental game understanding side of the game to then assert themselves or make a teammate around them uh, play or train better to make the team tick and uh, then they can get the rewards off that. Uh, and whether that's challenging for championships, European places, or, or whether that's also that the player themselves getting international and uh, or even if it's just premiership recognition that they're playing more games and more regularly for that for that first team. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Do you perhaps look at uh, additional things like their lifestyle, their personality, how they interact with the rest of the squad? Do you take that kind of stuff into consideration or is it a case of, right, this guy can play rugby? Let's kind of work on the rest after that. Yeah, but it's it's a bit of both and it's there's not just one way. Uh, we chatted to somebody recently and and then I've also read something recently as well. Is like we talk about academies, you talk about pathways and, and journeys, and a player, uh, male or female, has to have something to actually get in into an academy or or into a pathway or into a system. First off, now it might be something technical, it might be something tactical. Crikey, there's some there's some physical areas that stand out. Not just not just saying height, but stand out head and shoulders above another. There's everybody wants to be fast in in sport or have a, an acceleration or an ability to stop and change direction. So pace and speed is one. But then some of the other areas might be more of the mental side that you can't actually see a player's game understanding or mental strength or or resilience or or ambition to 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 do well or ambition to to just wants to win until you actually get onto a pitch, but some are more um, recognisable than others and, and stand out. But I think technical, tactical, physical or mental, if they've got one of those areas, they're probably going to get, uh, and they're good in one of those areas, they probably are going to get into a pathway or an academy or a system. Then I think if they start being exposed to other opportunities that then uh, develop uh, another area, so say they're good at technically, that then they can put that technical uh, skill and ability into action tactically, and then they're, they're still growing, they're still developing, they're still maturing, but then they're on a, a, a physical program that then is dovetailed with um, some also off-pitch learning that might be, look, we're going to look at training what we've just done, we're going to review it, and then next week we're going to come back. That Then you can see, see how it, it starts it starts building up and that, that player might progress onto a level and he never pushes beyond that, but then that player just might say, give me more, I want more, or I'm not very good in this, so I need a bit more of this. Or a coach recognises that they're not as good in that uh, area as they need to be, that then they can push on. And it's almost like a, you, 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 you're developing one area, but then you can't forget about another, so you're trying to develop another area. These guys are still the young guys that are in academies or, or pathways are probably still in full-time education or they are in full-time education so you're trying to fit everything in, in and around it that way and it's probably only when they get into maybe a full-time environment senior academy or a first team that then you can really start getting down into the the minutiae of 
of other areas once you've started building those those foundations but yeah they'll certainly have to have something that stands out uh, to get them the, the foot in the door or somebody recognizes something that they could have something that stands out and then you can start building those those four pillars if you like of technical tactical physical mental yeah awesome no that, that's very cool i kind of picked out two key things there so yes we need to like one key quality perhaps that just stands out makes them recognizable yeah. um would you then say work on your weaknesses or play to your strengths a bit more so say for example you're running over 10 meters per second and you are absolutely lightning <clears throat> and it's very clear that you're extremely fast do you then spend more time working and development speed so you're extra fast or do you work on the others that kind of bring it up to a sort of a level playing field this is not trying to um dodge the question but it's it's it depends, which is everybody answers a question like There's that. There's always context, yeah. Which then, it, it, yeah, it, it goes with how much time you can spend on that in an academy, how much time you could spend on that, say, Monday to Friday if you were in a first-team environment. And again, with you, as you know, Chris, is how much time the, these players are on feet that is, is just enough training that doesn't tip them over the edge that then they're, they're, they're fatigued for the weekend or is an accumulative load that is is then doesn't is then not detrimental to several weeks down the line that you're looking about we did too much or we did too much too soon so if they have got an x factor that is uh vital to the team that is a big integrated part of the team that allows the team to play a certain way or allows the team to get advance the ball forward or if they've not got the ball get the ball back yeah you definitely need to be playing to your strengths however if i've only got uh, one way of playing and I, uh, if I'm just an attacker, uh, I, I can't just be relying on my uh, my attacking skills. If I'm if I'm not very good at, at getting the ball back when we haven't got it, because if I'm not very good at getting the ball back, I'll never be able to, be able to play to my strengths and my X factor. So, yeah. if like the example that you gave, if if I was a, a very very quick player and I needed to maintain my speed in my position and I needed to maintain my robustness, yeah, I need to continue developing that but it can't be to the detriment of other areas of my game because it's no good me being the fastest player on the pitch who can beat players if I can't catch the ball yeah. <laughs> or I've not got an understanding of how to get on the ball or I've not got an understanding of I'm always stood in the wrong place on the pitch. So I never your fastest player or your most dangerous player never ever touches the ball. So yeah. you've got to be trying to develop a, a bit of everything. Now that's not saying that you're going to be 10 out of 10 in all areas, but the the... The higher the levels up you go in the game, you certainly need to be reaching the uh, the eights, nines, and tens uh, rather than around sort of a six out of ten or seven out of ten in this area. But I'm a ten out of ten in this, and that's probably the difference between uh, a championship player, Premiership player, Premiership player, and a and a an England international, as an example. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So kind of maintain an X factor, but then work on the other qualities to bring the rest of your game up. So you're not just about one young, thing. Yeah. And sorry, and for a young player coming through, that 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 would also be pre- pre- prevalent for them. It's like what what do they need to do and be very very good at in the game at the minute to get noticed to move on to the next level, which might be an under sixteen moving to under eighteen, which might be an under eighteen getting contracted and the opportunity to come into the first team. But then, what does he need to be starting working on now as the game might change? I mean, one of the biggest changes is that you go from a a 70-minute game to an 80-minute game. Now, I know it's only five minutes added on each half, but if if I can't manage that extra five minutes when I might be doing 
two more sprints or two more tackles or two or three more carries, as an example, is how am I going to cope with the, the game demands? So, yeah, how how you can be working on your strengths and turning your strength into a super strength, but then also developing areas of your game that, that might just be needing to get to a certain level that you've never had to in the past before. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So when we kind of think of the player's development, would you give them a little bit of autonomy over it or complete autonomy in terms of this is what I wouldn't be working on because I can have greater buy-in and then push on with that? Or is that just dependent on the different levels they're at? So if they say under 16s, under 17s, and they're part time got that maturity, you don't give them too much autonomy. But when they get in into the senior squads, then you give them a little bit more ownership over the decision making. Do you feel like that's a progression you look at, or is it a case of, right, this is where, this is the highlighted weakness, this is what you need to be doing? Um, how do you kind of look at that kind of scenario and situation? I think it's definitely progression, and, and no, no player will know, no coach will know. Um, their players better than the ones that's actually working with them on the ground. It might only be once a week. It might be twice a week. It might be five days out of the seven a week. And and you're forever tweaking something, adding something in. And yeah, definitely a progression, Chris. Of a, a big complaint of maybe maybe complaint might not be the, the right right word, but a, a big area that gets mentioned an awful lot when a, a player is progressing. To, through is, is the step up when they end up making that step up from schoolboy, schoolgirl, academy player to senior professional. Now it might happen for some at 18 and a half when they've left school, as, as you've seen, Chris, this season. It might happen at 19 and a half. It might happen at 22 and a half. But then what, what you've added in, and it might be that the, the, the 22 year old physically was able to cope but then just technically tactically needed a, a lot more time it might be that the the guy who pushed through 18 and a half technically tactically can cope uh, physically mentally can cope but is just not quite ready for that every day uh, day in day out but the only way he's going to get there is if he is in the environment uh, managing it balancing it working with the backroom staff to to get that and then also some guys just don't know yet the game looks very very different at uh, Age group, uh, school, uh, uh, age group, schoolboy, schoolgirl level to what it does at academy level to then what it does look at, at age group international to then what it looks like at, at senior pro. So dripping bits in, and it might be that that player can manage and cope with it at 18. That player could manage and cope with it maybe a little bit at 17. This player is not ready for it until 19. Or we don't need to do that yet because we've got an awful lot of other areas he is or she is focusing on. And and it is that time that it takes takes to adapt and, and, and learn because learning takes an awful long time. Learning slow, but the idea that the idea of it isn't that the beauty of it is, is that if it is slow and it is progressional, is is then it's probably gonna stick and you're gonna have that deeper learning, you're gonna have that deeper ingrained understanding of it. It's any player in a pathway, any athlete in a pathway, everything that you're trying to do with them, every every half an hour hour that you get you're trying to accelerate what what the can and can't do and you're trying to get it to a level that they're then ready and look a first team coach will always say uh, are they ready yet or do you think we can bring them in for training do you think we can bring them in because they're obviously competitive and they want to play and it's about the adolescent coaches that are then trying to support them on that and say yeah they are no they're not or they can do this they'll be good for that but this area, let's just be mindful that they're not quite ready for that. Or, look, let's let them fly. Let's give them a chance. 
And then yeah. off, off that is, does the player understand what he needs to be doing day in, day out, but then week to week, month to month themselves as well? And that's probably where that autonomy comes in, which is then that, that learned behaviour. I guess that only really comes to exposure to that elite environment. Like you just come away with it and then over time, just through the repetition, just doing everything you need to be doing on a daily basis, it'll just come a little bit more green. So that comes back to you just putting the time into it. Uh, and if people are, some players perhaps fast track, then they perhaps don't get exposed to that and don't mature quite as quickly perhaps. Yeah, and, and you only know what you know. It's like... As, as you're going through, you're preparing for a GCSE exam. You're not preparing for an A-level exam because you're not quite there yet. But then you pass your GCSEs, you move on to your, your A-levels and, and so on. And it's only the similarly going from a 16 to an 18. The game changes slightly. There's some law variations at under 16s that are different. There's some law variations at under 18 that are different to the senior game. And just, yeah, just layering, layering it on top. Plus, plus as well, there's there's huge life changes that, that, that the youngsters go through as well where, I don't know, from nine o'clock, ten o'clock, twelve o'clock, one o'clock, and two o'clock, that player knows where he's got to be Monday to Friday. He has a little bit of that because he knows he's going to have his well-being. He might have an appointment with you, Lawsy, to to weigh his body weight, have his skin falls, and check in of how his his uh, his nutrition's been going for the for the past week, the past month. He knows what time training is, but then outside of that, he's not got you living with him and cooking with him. Unless he's paying you, was it? <laughs> and no, he's not got chef status yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's not got the first team strength and conditioner living with him, making sure that he's going to bed on time, or he's not got the first team coach taking him through training from that day uh, into the next day. So that is probably where that, that autonomy does come in, or, or expectation maybe, because it is a job as well. It's probably one of the best jobs in the world you could be doing if you are a professional sports person in your sport but there is an expectation of you as well if you are paid in a profession uh, just like any other profession out there in the world yeah absolutely so what do you say like the common issues you see in developing players like those kind of moments where you just feel like banging your head against the wall like why aren't they doing that or is there anything that kind of just uh springs to mind is it perhaps to just leave in a lot of untapped potential on the table is there any kind of common uh, thoughts or sights you've seen there? No, there's, there's probably a lot of commonalities in it, but then there's, it's probably only what, what's what's coming more um, to the fore more recently on, on the last number of years of our uh, specialists that are far, far more educated to talk about this and far, far uh, wider read on this of of understanding these these young adolescents coming through and, and there's been an awful lot of research on how, how the body develops and, and physical maturation and everybody recognised that rugby is a later developing sport, it's a later maturational sport and how we develop that player physically in the gym, what is his uh, biological age, what is his rugby age, what is his physical training age and probably similar to the what is his um, biological age is uh, rugby age and then he's, he's maybe his mental age and the, the the young developing brain i've read i'm told as well is uh for for the most only only physically matures in in the early 20s as well but then you might be expecting that player to be to be game ready or has the technical tactical physical ability to play 18 and a half or before his 19th birthday uh, and then, and then you're expecting him to live 
to train, to look after themselves, like a 25-year-old seasoned campaigner who's had five, seven years time to, to develop. And, and, and what happens is the forever getting measured and the forever getting checkpoint, well, this player can do this, this player can do it. Yeah, but he's been doing it for seven years. Mm. Uh, or, or he's been supported on that. Or we forget about when that player did fail or we forget about when that player got it wrong because everything's highlighted at the minute of the player who is getting it wrong. And some some struggle with it. Some take like a duck to water, but then have a blip several months later or, or whatever. So it's just, th- th- there's a big there's a big change, I think, for the guys coming out of it. Th- they might have been playing rugby since a young age. They might have been thinking they've been doing an awful lot of training the last number of years, but it's certainly not to the, to the level and intensity and volume that, that they will be going into. And that's a huge adjustment. It might be that their club sees it fit that they have to take a step back from rugby because they need to focus on another area, which might be physically, it might be technically, tactically. It might be that they need to have time away from the parent club and, and they're going on loan and, and adjusting and adjusting that where they've been in the academy for, for the club for years since they've been 14, 15. And then all of a sudden they're asked to go on a Tuesday, Thursday night to drive in the car for an hour and 90 minutes to train with a different group of, of men and then expect to perform, fit in, stand out, is what we always talked about, and then come back and then do the business to be impressing the first-team coach. So it's, yeah, there's a number of issues, there's a number of challenges, but then I think the big thing is is that there has to be an awful lot of affordances and um, setting set in, uh, expectations, and but agreed expectations and agreed affordances of, look, we think you're going to struggle here, but this is how we're going to help you. Or... We, we want you to struggle here and this is how we're going to help you overcome it because if you do well, you'll then move on to the to the next challenge. And the next challenge might be training with the first team, it might be playing with the first team or moving up from National 1 to the Championship, for example. Yeah. yeah there's got to be a bit of give and take and understanding both sides. So it almost just highlights if someone's struggling or is challenged by something, it's perhaps just lack of support there as well. So they haven't been given the tools and the knowledge to deal with that challenge. Yeah, and it, it might be that he's just not yet. Or it might be that, look, we know you're going there. We know you're going to struggle. We know you're going to find it hard. Maybe Because you might have been studying all day on the Tuesday. That Then you need to jump in the car. It might be, I need to get my nutrition right or I've been getting my nutrition wrong because I finished uni all day. I've had a long day. Finished at five o'clock at uni. Jump in the car to get to seven o'clock, half seven training. And every time it gets to half an hour in the session, Lozy, I feel sick or I feel shattered. And it might be something that they pick up with you, but until they've done it, they don't know. Until you've figured out and, and, and change, change things yourself as, as their their coach, or it might be that look, you go you go in there for this reason. We need you to um, to outperform that other player. We need you to outperform the opposition. Uh, and yeah, just just supporting just supporting them that way on it. And and knowing what they need now to stand them in greater stead for the future. And it's a constant needs needs analysis all the way through. And I think that's what a lot of coaches are always trying to do. Needs needs analysis on that player, needs analysis on what you need uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday before you play on, on, on Saturday. So all players will have like their IDPs, the individual development plans. So you kind of got like this ideal sort of outcome for them. And then it's just a case of where are we now at this point in time along that pathway and what you need the most at this time, really. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, all all players, uh, senior players might uh, it might have been a 
something that they were asked to do in, in the academy and they might have carried that through and, and they continue doing it. Everybody will recognise goal setting or everybody will be, a lot of people will be aware of maybe smart goal setting and being being specific and making sure it's measurable and, and achievable and specific to you and you can do it in good time. But it, uh, in terms of in terms of rugby and academy rugby, yeah, IDP is huge and again, it might be technically, tactically, physically based around those four pillars, but then how you then get into the route. What is this player good at? What does he need to be great at? What is he not so good at? What we can develop over the next week, over the next uh, month, over the next six months. And he's 16, where do we see him at 20? He's 18, what we're trying to get him ready for at 19 and, and 20 and beyond. And it, it might be other areas of the game that you've said yourself, some of the seminars you did just last, last night, uh, uh, we're going to get you speaking to Chris because it's an area that we know in six months' time when you're a full-time professional, you're going to be living and looking after yourself, but you've never ever cooked before because your parents do it or your, your guardians do it or you're fortunate that you're, you're, a, you're a boarder at school and breakfast, uh, uh, lunch and tea is, is organised for you. So unless we're giving the guys the tools to, to support and, and develop on that, is they're never ever going to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I think you pretty much answered the next question here. I was going to ask you, how do we nurture and guide uh, these players through the pathway? And it's very much a case of giving them the education and give them the tools and then uh, give them the time and attention to get through it, really. Yeah, and well, you've firstly got to get to know them and, and the coach as well. And the lead coach, I'd like to think, would know them inside out. That might have been that they've, they've been handed over from... Uh, the under-16 coach to the under-18s. It might be that uh, that under-16s coach has, has been out watching them, trying to gather some in information. But yeah, exactly that. Of What do they need now at that level to get to the next level? What do they need at, at this level to, to continue hitting a number of checkpoints that, that sees them get on? What have they not got at this level, but they definitely will need at the next level or or they will need it in the, in the senior environment? What, what are pre preparing them for it? It's no good just signing a young lad at um, 17, 18. He comes in for pre-season practice on the 1st of July and you just drop him off in his in his home and you've given him no no awareness of how to get to practice or, or not, no awareness of, of organising his own his own kit bag and, and everything like that or that he might be out of the house all day but food's not provided for him that day or food is provided for him but he's expected to cook his evening meal and then he's got to get himself off to bed at a timely hour before he gets up and does it all again the next day. So you can't take him from a school environment without maybe giving him some experiences through through the year uh, on on holiday school time to prepare them for that. But, but yeah, and then goes back to that affordances both side and agreed expectations both side, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's a really nice kind of point that you mentioned, just like just giving them a little bit of exposure, like these microdoses like going to the sort of first team environments or have you spend a five days there, a week there, get a good taste of it, find out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And then the next time you're in that environment or if you're lucky enough to move up, you're better equipped to do so. I think what it does, Chris, as well, and, and probably a lot of uh, Pathway Academy uh, system coaches would recognise this is, is you might have the odd player or athlete that turns around and says, that's not for me. I thought it was. I tried it and I didn't like it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's confirmed that I'm going to put all my efforts into my studies because I'd rather go to uni full time or I'd rather travel the world or get an apprenticeship. And 
I still love rugby, but I just want to play socially on a Tuesday night when I can get to practice. If I can't, no pressure, but I can still play at the weekend. Uh, so I think it works for for the player to progress, but then also there's confirmation for the player themselves if they don't. Yeah, that, that's very cool. Never really thought of it from that perspective, but again, given the opportunity to make a decision for themselves. Yeah. For sure. So when we look at the ultimately like the developing player, there's loads of different areas that they can look to improve. So yeah. obviously I'm a nutritionist, I can help them. Sports psychologist can help them. Yeah. You know, you've got like your uh, S&C, your physios, your prehab, rehab, then you've got all the technical, tactical. Yeah. Like there's so many things for a player to actually sort of work on and develop. Yeah. How would they know what to use? Do you have like an approach to use? You say, right, go all in with, sports psychology, work on that, and then move to the next sort of topic. Almost like a curriculum, always a case of looking at the IDP again. This is where you're great. This is what you're not so great at. You need to spend some time in there. It's different player to player, yeah. And uh, you're going to have some long-term common goals and common targets for, for the group that you're working with, which might be age group, it might be a squad. Um, you're going to have some certain checkpoints for, for that group that you're working together as a group but then within that individually is it's going to be different and player might need a bit less of that or player might need a bit more of that so that's again where it then comes back down to that that lead coach for for that player or, or that group that is then collaborating with as you say if they're lucky with that multidiscipline team um it might be that that one coach on their own is a one-stop shop and he's trying to do everything or he is, or he's fortunate that he's got a good understanding of a number of areas and uh, that, uh, that that's how they manage that system, that they are, uh, that they are uh, leading, leading on those areas themselves. But it, it then has to be personal and meaningful for, for that player. And then it, in terms of like saying non-negotiables, I can't say what what not what is non-negotiable for me is not going to suit you or might not fit you and support you and what you want, Chris. So how can I then say that for 20 players or 25, 30 players? Is you can't. So then it, it goes back to that that coach knowing that player and uh, and what he needs at that moment in time. Because that non-negotiable might just be for a month. That non-negotiable might be for his career. Or, or then how that non-negotiable changes and progresses or, or evolves. So uh, I don't know. If, if a non-negotiable for you, Chris, might be the player that skips breakfast, but then he's complaining that he always feels hungry at 11 o'clock at school. Or, or that player, first-team player that feels hungry and shattered by the end of the first-team session at 11 o'clock. And you're like, well, what have you had for breakfast? Oh, I didn't eat it. I never eat it. So then the non-negotiable might be... Um, you have breakfast every morning. You're going to have to get up 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, but I like my bed. We'll prepare the night before. So it, it's, it's things like that. And they're all, um, they're all little bits that you've done with, with players over the years and, and different athletes that you're working with, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but then how, how, that, how then that evolves when that player does start seeing good, good uh, rewards and, and getting, the, getting, the, uh, getting the achievement and, and, and seeing the benefit of, of doing that. It, it then changes and you move on to something different with them so yeah absolutely from my experience like whether it's through say the boys of wasps or through my own sort of coaching business like athletes or players will come to me they do like a condensed kind of period learn everything they need to know really extract it everything they need to know and then they just move on to the next 
they almost like park that, they go all in, then park the maintenance, then they go into the next thing, knowing that they've um, really just, you know, take their nutrition to the next level. So I guess, again, it comes down to the IDP and the development and by what do I need to work on most now? Right, I need to go and see Lozi, get his, my nutrition sorted, take that box, move on to the next. And then all I'm doing then is just touch points with them, making sure that they're still adhering to the principles we kind of set. So that's the way I've kind of noticed how athletes tend to work. And you know what, mate, that's... That, that's how I like to coach is like you, you're thinking we'll write again uh, what do they need at this time let's work on that a little bit but then we also need to work on this area of the game this area of the game but then we'll come back to what we were doing and that's that's an, uh, a, an educational process and an educational um, curriculum that, that's been around for, for years and years and years and, and coaches have sort of pinched it and adapted it and, and like you said right oh Let's, let's work on this part of your game, the A part of your game, then we're going to do B, then we're going to do C, then we're going to do D, but then we're going to come back to A. We're not going to spend as long on it. And yeah, and that's just layering on top and, and revisiting rather than let's smash it for a month, then move on and forget about it and move on to the next one, forget about it, let's smash B for a month. And I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think it works best like that. Let's just revisit it. Let's just check in with you. How's it going? It's going great. How's it going? I've forgotten it all. Lozy, tell me again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know for like my own sort of learning and education, like if I'm learning about a new topic with nutrition, I tend to just do one topic, try and learn it as best as possible, then park it and then revisit it in a couple months' time or something. Where if I'm trying to learn 25 different topics at once, I don't really get a true understanding and I'm not really that immersed in it and I don't really learn anything, to be honest. So that's where I personally like to learn as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's good. Might not work for everybody, but I think uh, a, a lot of people would appreciate that touch points and revisiting. Yeah, for sure. Especially from the nutrition side of things or like the lifestyle. Accountability is such a huge thing. Support yeah. such a huge thing because, yeah. again, it's such a fluid um, aspect and anything can happen. COVID, for example, you know, they need to have those that touch points and support there. Um, Cool. So coming up onto the final question, um, for an rugby for a rugby player to go from average to elite, so average okay. in this context would be say schoolboy academy kind of level, all the way up to senior England squad, British Netherlands, etc. What are three things that you suggest them to focus on and really look to sort of hone in and develop if there is such a, a top three? These are obviously a top three that are set in stone. That you, you you can't change. Oh, yeah. crack! No, it's a horrible question because there's so oh. many things. But if you yeah, just have what, to what, what a question! Um, yeah, mate. I uh, I thought a bit about this and it, the questions that probably evolves o- over years and time that you, you're doing it. But I think um, I think every player, young, uh, in the middle of the career and or at the end of the career, but yeah, certainly as as they're working through the career and probably starts being fostered when they are. You know, he's like, just dream big and have ambition. And the, what, what is your end goal? Because your end goal might be, I want to be England captain and win a World Cup. It might be, I want to play for the British and Irish Lions. It might be that I want to be as good a premiership player as I can be, that then see where that takes me. It might be a little bit like I say, uh, of I love rugby, but I only want to play it socially because my passion is to be something else. To, to be a doctor or a, a vet or a 
a, a banker, but I just want to play with my best mates at a weekend for my local club. So whatever that whatever that ambition is, but if we're talking from the elite level, yeah, I have that ambition to be waking up every morning. I want to play for England. Um, that understanding of knowing what you're good at and then what you need to be better at, what you need to be great at, and understanding and knowing of, of what you're needing now at that moment in time as an under-16, under-18 developing player and then as a, as a young player transitioning from the age group game to the senior game. And then also as, as you're going through your career in, in your 20s and hopefully early 30s that you, you're evolving all the time and you're developing all the time and you're challenging yourself all the time to meet your long-term ambition, your long-term goal. And then probably... Uh, Thirdly, uh, finally, as you've asked me for the top three, is, is then having that resilience, which, uh, if you can sort of encompass into it, that that effort, that hard work, there'll be setbacks, which will be injury, uh, illness, which will be selection, non-selection, which will be uh, you don't make the team this week. Uh, it might be an awkward conversation. You're not going to make the team ever, so you need to move. And... Uh, then as, as, as you grow and, and you, you, you develop it, like your life outside of rugby and, and then how you, you challenge that and your resilience to, to balance and be, be good on uh, be good and, and effective on, on and off the pitch. And it might be that you're fortunate to have a, have a family as well and, uh, and how you incorporate those guys into your life because when you're growing up, you're on your own and you're just thinking about yourself. When you're a, a, a single young man or single young lady you, you can be selfish and you can just think about your career but then as you, your world starts growing and developing yeah how you bring it all together so I'd say yeah ambition understanding and then resilience for me was it yeah love them it's like a spider diagram there. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic I really like that uh, resilience is, is obviously stress is such a huge one isn't it from your experience from like your own career your playing career now your coaching career have you found like you've kind of developed your resilience like i've heard it being sort of termed as resilience is just you know getting over like a thousand cuts like they're not just one big thing they're just all like mm. these tiny things on a daily weekly basis that you adapt to and you get better at and then you just come a little more resilient like have you found like you developed or noticed other players develop uh the resilience i think some some bits that might be uh that might naturally occur at school or naturally occur through your, your adolescent years or naturally occur as you go into um, the big bad world or you go into a professional elite environment. It, it, some things naturally occur. Other things might be forced and there might be the coaches that are putting something in there as a strategy. Coaches that are putting something in there think we, this player needs a little bit of that. Let, let's support them on them or let's expose them on. It might be that they've never had a speed bump in their life. Uh, it might be that they've never had a setback. Because uh, yeah, if, if you think a, a young a, academy developing player coming through, he, he or she might be the best player for the school or the club. They might be the school or the club captain. They might be the best player in their age group, might be the best player in the region. And it might only be when they get to 18, signed a contract 19, that that's the first time ever that they're not as involved in practice or they're not picked for the team when they've always been picked or first picked. Um, but so I think there's a number of areas that, that develop naturally on that. There's, there's an awful lot out there uh, as well, and I'm, I'm learning and, and trying to get a greater understanding and development as well. Is like there's 
there's an awful lot of setbacks and an awful lot of challenges in life and certainly in sports careers, but then also some aren't all bad. Uh, and, and then you've got to recognise where they're bad and where you need to, to, to learn and, and you might need support or an intervention. But then also it might be that uh, something's good, but you didn't quite recognise it as well. It might be a coach or a teammate or or a peer or somebody close in your family that, that, that makes you aware of that, but then says, look, look how you've developed or look how you've progressed or look how you've grown from it. So it, look, it's, it's not easy and there's not one which way. It, uh, it, it might just be that, I don't know, if you give me four, I'd have probably said awareness, self-awareness <laughs> as well, Lawsy, and, and just being able to, just to, to regulate. Yeah. There's, an, there's an awful lot of these characteristics and, and values, again, that are, that are being researched all the time and, 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 and fit really, really nicely with, with uh, ambitious young, um, ambitious young, talented sports people that are coming through trying to make it to the top. And I think that is an absolutely fantastic way to end the show. I think that's really insightful at the end bit. Um, yeah, dream big, have ambitious, have that self-awareness and that understanding of where you are and then have that resilience. So yeah, absolutely awesome. And I just want to say a huge thank you for your time. Really appreciate and value it. Um, so for people listening to the podcast today, where can they sort of uh, find you and follow you. I know you've uh, you're relatively active on Twitter. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's for uh, banter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> little bits out on on I don't know music I like or a little bit of banter. There's I think my opinion people take it too seriously. Twitter and uh, there's. <laughs> There's, there's some really, really, it's really, really good for connecting. It's really, really good for staying in touch. There's some outstanding people on there uh, that are doing some fantastic things in in sport, in business, in other professions in, in life that I think as a coaching tool, it's it's just getting on there and having a look. And, and I do use it for that as well, of, of getting on there, of, of sharing, of connecting of staying in touch and then also I see what they've done or people are sharing papers people are sharing journals people are sharing articles and I think it's just playing around with things and then also like not getting in not getting into the bits of like we can't do this anymore you can't do that anymore that is old hat well actually no it, it might be pretty relevant for, for what you need to do with with that group of players or, or that player there so yeah, I think I think there's some re- there's some really really good stuff out there as well. I'm 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 on it an awful lot for uh, for, for some for some fun and a, and a bit of banter as well. But yeah, the the serious side of it. Yeah, there's some pretty expert, specialist, well-read people out there that I try pinching, pinching and taking from definitely. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a good part and bad parts to yeah. all social media for sure. Yeah. Um, I know I use Twitter a lot for the academic-based stuff because all the researchers want to publish their papers as soon as it's been released. And mm. if I just follow the right people, the key people within the industry, then mm. you know I'm very much up to date with all the research and it's just a very good educational tool for me. Uh, but you know you can very much get down a bit of a rabbit hole and you see all the arguments kind of develop and they're just like complete bitching with each other and there's just no real need for it. Yeah, I, I think as well, and, and what I've, I've tried to do is maybe you probably do this um, laws in, in your p- profession, mate, because every player is different, every group's different, every sport's different that you're working across. But uh, 
of sometimes not always following people or um, reading things that you agree with or or that you, that you know about try and try and broaden that or even try and get a, a, another insight or another opinion or another way of thinking that then it might think actually I'm not thought of that or actually I disagree with that but this is why because it's, it's not my philosophy or I disagree with that because that's I've not seen that work with this group but actually I might try it and and, and maybe maybe try doing it maybe try doing it that way not always following your friends is probably the best <laughs> the best thing to do absolutely that's a uh... I'm sure they hate me to say this, but it's just a waste of time. <laughs> I just speak to them on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Again, thank you very much for your time. I super appreciate it. And um, yeah, if people do want to learn more about you and follow you on Twitter, what is your Twitter handle? Well, the chat. It's uh, it's John Skindleberry. Perfect. That's it. I'm pretty sure it is. I checked that earlier. <laughs> Yeah, and that's again, that's because my mates were taking the mickey out of me. So that's that. Perfect. Right. Awesome. I'll let you crack on with the day. And uh, again, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate.